0: to invite you to turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. This morning we'll begin in verse 25. Uh, Luke chapter 2, if you're in the Blue Pew Bible, you'll find it on page 857. 857. Again, Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 25, we'll read through verse 25. 32. Look with me at God's Word. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. Please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for that light, that light that simeon was speaking of and we do pray for your help as we open up this passage Uh, we pray that you would remove from us those things that obscure our understanding comprehending taking in uh, this the the message that is here that you have intended and we pray by your spirit that you will open our minds open our hearts Uh, our inward eyes, to be able to see and to receive this and apply it to our lives that we might uh, be changed and draw closer to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the difficulties that we have, uh, in particular during this time of the year, is actually seeing... The advent of Christ His coming into this world in a way that corresponds with reality, with what really took place, with what, what, it, what it really means to us today. I don't think it's easy for any of us uh, to sort of see through all of the, the hype and the commercialization uh, that exists today surrounding this time uh, that we might, with a right heart and with a right focus, uh, see and understand uh, these things and therefore take joy and then use them in our lives. You know, so much of what we see, uh, even when it may be things that come out of here, there are events, there are people that may be in God's Word, but uh, so much of it is is brought to us, uh, we're drawn into it with a skewed view, with especially a sentimental view of our Savior's coming into this world, uh, that really obscures us from being able to see this in a right way. Uh, we've got holiday lights, uh, very impressive displays, glittery decorations, and uh, warm fires in the hearth, family gathering together hot cocoa, peaceful mangers with a cuddly baby, and animals gathered around in silent nights, and Frosty the Snowman playing in the background. Uh, All of these things. Now, I'm not saying that there is no room for sentimentality during this season. We have memories, we have gatherings together, family comes together. There is great value in many of these things, but what I am saying is that we need to take care to recognize that this notion of a of a warm and a calm peaceful time filled with fun and glamour is foreign to the biblical account of the coming of christ rather i think we're greatly helped when we recognize the context in which he came the distress the misery that led all the way up to this time, yet also the great hope and the longing heart that the Lord provided for His people so that they could persevere uh, as they looked toward the future coming of the One in whom they had placed their hope. This, I think, is Uh, greatly helped, being able to come to this right understanding, greatly helped. As we look at this story this morning, uh, we read about this man, Simeon, uh, who is described here as being righteous and devout. Uh, And this was what he was about. Uh, He lived his days, we don't know how long, we don't know anything else about him other than this account, but he lived his days focused upon this. It says, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And I believe that this can help us focus ourselves upon the, the, the true and the right meaning of Christ's advent into this world that we too might be able to persevere with hope and with joy and be helped in other ways as we ourselves look forward to the return of Christ. In other words, we can look back Uh, in order to look forward with with hope and with perseverance with anticipation with great joy so that we're helped in the present and so as we look at this account uh, there is a single word that I'd submit to you that stands out it's that word waiting it's a word that invites us to look back and to get some of the context uh, some of the understanding why Why was this man Simeon, as well as many others, why were they waiting? And what were they waiting for? We see it again uh, throughout uh, the account of the coming of Christ and leading up to this time. In fact, just after what we just read about a a paragraph down, you'll see in verse 36, it says there was another person, this time a, a woman, a prophetess, Anna, who was, and it says in verse 38, she was waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. All of this, wait, why? And I heard someone recently give a, a, a talk on the song that we just sang moments ago. And, and they made the point that that song many, many years ago was, was written and begun to be, be sung in order to give us some of that context uh, of Israel at that time and leading up to the time of Christ so that we might see what that longing was all about. Listen to the words of that first verse, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Now you know, that's, that song in that first verse is pointing back to a single defining event in the history of the nation of Israel. Uh, many of you may know what that event was. It speaks about what we call the exile. The exile, you know, go as, as far back as, as Moses. And remember the, the, the initial formation of the nation of Israel. And remember <laughs> that this people were the only people upon the face of the earth uh, who the Lord had focused his attention upon uh, as his own people. They were a unique privileged people and they were told back in that day in in Moses' day uh, that if they weren't careful to do all of his commandments, all of his statutes and if they instead went and gave themselves over to other gods, They were told that many difficult and terrible things, times, would come upon them. Uh, And here is uh, the final consequence. So these would be consequences for departing from the Lord for this people. Here's the final consequence. This is given out of Deuteronomy chapter 28 in verse 64. He said, And the Lord will scatter you among all peoples, think about the exile, scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other, and there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your fathers have known. And among these nations you shall find no respite, and there shall be no resting place for the sole of your foot. But the Lord will give you there a trembling heart and failing eyes and a languishing soul your life shall hang in doubt before you night and day you shall be in dread and you shall have no assurance of your life if they went their own way this time of darkness and misery and and exile from their land and exile from the Lord would occur and for those of you who know the history of Israel and, and what occurred you'll know that Exactly that happened. It happened first at the hands of the Assyrians in the eighth century uh, BC, and then at the hand of the Babylonians in the seventh and sixth centuries. Uh, the land, the cities were destroyed. Jerusalem was burned to the ground. Now uh, the temple was completely destroyed. The people were mostly carried away as captives to a foreign land. They were apart from their land. They seemed to be apart from their God. Now, all of this happened during the time and the life of, or, or much of it, not all of it, much of it happened, and it began during the life of Isaiah the prophet. That's why in the book of Isaiah, you'll find more than any anywhere else, almost, uh, we see... The Lord providing His people with an understanding, number one, of what was happening to them, words of of condemnation for their departure from the Lord, but also wonderful words of consolation and hope. I'll never forget this is how the Lord works with His people, uh, that our sin and our rebellion against the Lord, it does bring consequences into our lives. Uh, difficult consequences, but amongst God's people, there is always a hope. There is always the light of life in it, and it always involves reconciliation with the Lord, coming back together with the Lord. That's what it's uh, at at the heart of it. Uh, and so, never forget that we always have that hope. And the Lord's doing something as he was with his people, even in the midst of very difficult times. Uh, the people in this day were given these words. This is in Isaiah uh, chapter 7, words of hope. Isaiah 7:14, therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel right there. That's hope in a name, Emmanuel. Many of us know that word Emmanuel means God with us. Remember, reconciliation with the Lord. And so out of the misery of exile would come hope in a person. Isaiah chapter 9 reaffirms this. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them light has shown." And then a little further down, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be up on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, One who will lead us in a right way. So you got the faithful remnant of God's people who are able to know just as we are able to know, as, as we look to God's word, we know that we can depend upon this, that it's true. They were able to say, Well, this is from the Lord. This is His prophet. That he has sent to us, and therefore it will come to pass. And so that became their hope. You see, kind of how the hope, the longing begins to take shape a certainty in the Lord, a waiting upon Him. Oh, come, oh, come. Emmanuel, and ransom, set free captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. It was a verse that we read earlier in our call to worship out of Psalm 25. It was this, verse 9. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God, we have waited for Him that He might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. Let us be glad and rejoice in His salvation. There's a waiting, a waiting that went on for hundreds of years. And during those years, there was a contingent of people that the Lord provided for to, to leave those lands in which they were in exile and to return to uh, the land of, of Judah to Jerusalem. They rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. They even rebuilt the temple. But it was never anything close to what it was before. In fact, the older people, those who had been there before at the temple, worshipped the Lord. Now they were coming back from exile. They wept at the fin- when, they, when they finished rebuilding the temple uh, because it was only a shadow of what it had been. And the monarchy, uh, the the kingship was no longer present. They were without a king. They were without the promised Messiah. And politically, they were always under the thumb of a ruler. They were vassals of another nation. And even, it was about 400 years when the word of God uh, didn't continue to be given to them. There were no prophets. And so they waited. And so they Long. This takes us back to this man, Simeon, and this time period. Simeon embodies this waiting, he embodies this longing for the Messiah. Yet he had been given a revelation by the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, that the Christ, the Messiah, would come in his lifetime and that he should wait for him. This continued during that time to be a time of darkness and despair in the nation. But he, along with others that we see in the New Testament, he was looking forward with great hope and great expectation to the consolation of Israel, to the one who would come who would bring the good news of salvation. And that's what the Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon that that had finally come. And so as he, in this account, as he looked into the arms of Jesus' parents and he saw this child, the face of this child, what he saw there was fulfillment. He saw sin atoned for. Remember the whole reason for the exile. Why did they go into exile? Why did all this come upon the people? Uh, what was the problem that they faced? It was their, their sin, their departure from the Lord. And so what he saw was sin atoned for. He saw death removed uh, out of Isaiah chapter 40 that we read earlier. Listen to these words. It's looking forward to this time. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem, and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord double for all her sins. Uh, this was the time that Simeon was able to know of. And then out of Isaiah 49, Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, the singing, for the Lord has comforted His people and will have compassion upon His afflicted. This is the reality of the coming of Christ, the reality of the consolation that Simeon had realized uh, and that we are able to know today in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is just as he was for Simeon, but in a far greater way because we are able to know the fullness. He is our comfort. He is our deliverance. He has come for his people Israel, which is today the church of Jesus Christ. Think about that song that we sing, think about the chorus. Rejoice, rejoice, Uh, O Israel. Uh, The the, the Lord has come, and he's come for his people. Now, the world would have us make something else out of this. They would have us see in the coming of Christ um, a veneer of wrapped gifts of quaint mangers, even of bright stars. And none of these things are wrong in and of themselves. They, they can't be. They're out of the biblical account. Yet the birth of Christ isn't about that. The birth of Christ is about the one who knows the depth of his sin, uh, the one who has experienced the misery of returning again and again and again again to the same idols that he or she knows can't do anything for them. The one who knows what it's like to be in bondage to sin and to remain in that place apart from the Lord. The one who longs for true relief. Who longs for an end to death. Who longs for forgiveness of sins and a drinking of the fountain of life That only Christ is able to offer. For that person, the Lord Jesus has come. And the Lord Jesus has come, he said, to bring good news to the poor. He was sent to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. I think you can see why context is so important as we come to Christ and and think about His coming into this world. It's because our real problem, the deep disease that afflicts us all, uh, it's not that we need to have uh, a a pretty manger and, and all of the other things. Uh, That's not the thing that we need. It's not sentimentality. That can never bring help to us. Uh, It's only that which is found in the Savior who has come, the one who has conquered sin and death. That's what we need. We need the same thing that Simeon was waiting for. And that's what the Holy Spirit uh, revealed to him in this child that had come. True consolation had finally come to God's people and it was found in the one in whom we are able to rejoice with Simeon today. Uh, let's look just briefly at a couple of things that Simeon sees. He's been waiting expectantly for this child to come and what he sees, there are a couple of things that he sees that bring him joy and that bring him comfort, consolation uh, in this child and it should produce the same in us all of us who look to Christ as he did by faith Uh, one of those Simeon sees that Christ's salvation brings true peace you know during Christmas time we often and and naturally we we think about Jesus in terms of his birth as a little baby His coming into the, the world by the way of the Virgin Mary which is true Uh, it's It's a wonderful truth that we're able to look to, yet we can't stop there because we always have to go back to the reason that He came. Because if you think about it, there's no comfort in that alone. There's no comfort just in the fact that He came as a little baby. That doesn't do anything for us. Simeon said that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He wasn't just waiting for a little baby but he was waiting because this was the one who, would, who who had conquered death or who would conquer death and who would usher in everlasting life. That is the true source of comfort and of true peace. And I think we get a, a glimpse of that in uh, and with Simeon. If you look at verse 29... Uh, or even verse 28, it says he took the baby in his arms, he blessed God, and then he said this, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Look at that word, now, here at the beginning of verse 29. it's not being used there in the sense that we often use the word now. You know, often, and I use it this way all the time, uh, in a sequence of events. Now this, and then this. Uh, but that's not the way it's being used here. Simeon is using it to speak about a, a, a moment in time. Now. And that moment in time is his death. Uh, as he says, Now, Lord you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. What he was saying there was that I've seen your salvation. I am comforted. I am content. I am satisfied. And therefore, I am prepared to go to my death. Now, we don't know everything that Simeon knew about this baby. We we know clearly that he had received revelation from the Holy Spirit. But what we do know here is that he was comforted in death. That he, he, he had this true peace about him. He was ready to go to his grave and to die. And as those today who have the fullness of God's revelation, we know there's only one way that we can have true peace when facing death. And it has everything to do with the one who came into this world with a purpose. Of con- conquering death for God's people. You know, there is this intimate connection. We should think about it often. There's this intimate connection between sin and death. They always go together. Remember, sin came into the world through one man. We, we read about that in, in Romans chapter 5. It's looking back to Genesis chapter 3. It came into the world through one man, that one man, Adam. And death through sin, it says. And from that point on, death reigned in this world. And that's why we face such heartbreak in this world, such loss. It all has to do with this intimate relationship between the two, between sin and death. We also know in, in 1 John chapter 5, John says the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. So that the world has come to ignore that connection, uh, to push it aside, to say sin and death, we don't want anything to do with that. And so we'll go on and live our lives without looking at that, without recognizing what it really means. But we can't do that, can we? We must be those like Simeon who are able to, to face it head on and to recognize Uh, that relationship between sin and death. And if we're seeing things rightly, then we should feel it deeply. Uh, We shouldn't be like the world, but we should long for something new, long for the consolation of Israel and of His church. But we're able to know that we have that in Christ because Jesus came to destroy sin and death. That's His purpose for coming. He died upon the cross, not because he needed it, but because we needed it. And then three days later, he rose from the dead and he conquered sin and death. You know, Peter says of Jesus that he abolished death and he brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Think about Jesus' words in John chapter 10. I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Well, this is what Simeon came to see as he looked into the face of that baby. Now, maybe he didn't know everything about it, but he knew enough to know that he could go to his grave in peace, knowing that he would not face condemnation, but would have everlasting life. You know, if we are those who have looked to Jesus by faith, then we are able to have that same confidence day after day after day listen to the words that you may know in your heart well out of Romans 6:23 for the wages of sin is death remember that connection between the two the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our lord this life is ours through the means of faith in Christ Jesus And that's what you and I are able to know with great certainty today and therefore to take joy in and therefore to be those who are able to face death and understand it and know that the Lord has taken away the sting of death, which is sin and eternal life is ours in Christ Jesus. And the beauty of that is that it's a life that's available for all people. You know, this is something else that Simeon was able to see, uh, that Christ's salvation is now available for all people. No longer is his salvation centrally focused upon and coming through one nation, one people, but now in Christ and from that time forward, all people, all nations Uh, Look back again at verse 30 in our passage. Simeon says, For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. You know, he's pointing here to the, the change that Christ ushered into the world no longer was salvation for a singular particular people, but now it was going out to the ends of the earth. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation would be able to hear the good news of the gospel, and many, many would respond. And you know, Simeon really drives that home uh, when he says, not only that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, but then he brings into it both the Gentiles and Uh, Israel, the Jews, that both together, this is where the grafting in of the Gentiles into one people. You know, the Gentiles represented all other nations who were apart from Israel, all those who before were without understanding, they were without knowledge. And so now he says that Christ will be a light of revelation to the Gentiles. No longer would they be left in darkness. And This was something that brought joy, and it brought comfort to Simeon. Uh, We can say that it was nothing new in terms of prophecies. The Old Testament is full of references that a day would come when the salvation of the Lord would come to all the nations, and there would be great rejoicing when that happened. Uh, you know, there, there, there's a passage, there are many places where we find this. There's a passage in Isaiah chapter 2, a corresponding one in the book of Micah. But in Isaiah chapter 2 that beautifully puts this, uh, Isaiah said, It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. And many peoples... Shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we we may walk in his paths. Think about that. A day that would come when the Lord God would draw people to himself from all the nations all over the world, that they might see, he caused them to be able to see this great salvation and to know that they must have it for themselves. Does that sound familiar? You know, Simeon recognized something of this. As he held the Lord Jesus in his arms, he was able to see and to know that this time arrived, had arrived. We don't know everything that he knew, but we can know today that these days are the latter days. We see this number of references in the New Testament. And we can see that the mountain of the house of the Lord, almost certainly, which is the the kingdom of God, is here among us today. And the baby that Simeon was holding is the anointed one, the Messiah, the king, who today draws many people to that kingdom of which he is the king. This was part of Simeon's joy, that this had arrived. This was one aspect of the consolation of Israel for which he was waiting. And today, it's our great privilege to be engaged in this, to know that this is God's mission to the world. In fact, we've got an organization in the PCA called that Mission to the World. It's his mission, and he has made it our mission as well. And he plants this into our hearts so that this becomes a natural part of who we are as we live the Christian life and uh, and of what we are about. And it's like everything else that's part of the Christian life, uh, that we must submit ourselves to Christ. We must avail ourselves to Him. We must be obedient to Him. And as we are, He will bring the growth. He'll bring that growth inside of ourselves and increasing our desire for those whom he places before us that they might see and hear this message as well. Uh, He he increases our boldness. Uh, He gives us greater love for those whom he places before us. And he is the one who will plant that seed in the hearts of others. Uh, His salvation, nurturing that seed, causing it to sprout causing it to flourish. Simeon said, remember, uh, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples. It's his salvation. We respond in obedience. He brings the growth. Now for each of us here, that may mean something differently. How do we respond obediently to that call that he places upon our hearts. This is the work that he calls all of us to be about, uh, is this work of reaching out to others with the gospel in some way and supporting that work of the church. You know, for those who, who are here young amongst us, that may be something, whatever age that you are, that you hear that call in your heart and you sense this desire to to reach out to others with the truth of that wonderful message of the gospel. Uh, And if you do, then you need to listen to that. And you need to go to Him in prayer and and look for others to affirm that within you, recognizing that He is the one who brings the growth. For others amongst us, uh, there may be those who are able uh, to provide Resources in a greater way, maybe at this particular time, a greater financial resources to the work of God throughout. Uh, for others, uh, you can pray for our missionaries. We've got information uh, in the foyer about our missionaries. Uh, you can talk to me for more in- information about them. Uh, finally, there's the local outreach that we're involved in, um, in which we've got mercy ministry. Uh, we've also have a number of people involved in the pregnancy centers uh, here in in town and reaching out through them. Uh, Pinwheel is another avenue. And as I mentioned last week, the elders are going to be looking at the outreach that the Lord has placed before us, the gifts that he has given us uh, and asking what opportunities are there? What is he calling us as a body to Uh, But in all of it, this is the heart that we are to have, uh, a, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, for glory to your people Israel, a salvation that's been prepared for all peoples. And all of this that we've seen with this man, Simeon, provides the true meaning of the advent, the coming of Christ into this world. And it should provide us with much to set our minds and our hearts upon, as we look to the Lord, uh, as we seek to not be led astray, to not see the meaning of all this uh, through all the other stuff that the world brings to us, uh, but to look to Christ, that we might persevere with hope and with joy and with true peace today. Uh, That peace that surpasses understanding because we know the one who has conquered death and sin And because we are able to engage ourselves in his mission work of taking the gospel to to the corners of the earth, making it known through the gifts that the Lord has given us and the means that he provides for us. Uh, This is at the heart of what is meant by the coming of Christ into this world. Please join me in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning that we like Simeon are able to look to Christ and to be able to see the Messiah uh, and to see all that we need at the heart of it, uh, that it is given to us in Christ. Help us to take joy in Christ who has come into this world. Uh, Help us to be those who are ready instruments for you uh, to do the work with hearts that desire it, uh, that you have called us to and that you place before us and that you prepare us for. Uh, We thank you for the the gift of gifts that you have given us uh, in Christ. And we pray, Lord, that we will see in our minds and in our hearts uh, the truth of Christ Jesus and all that he brings. We pray this in his name.